Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, our Sunday service is at 1030. Uh, if you're not local but looking for a, a great church to watch online, uh, our live stream, you can find it on facebook.com slash calvary316, or you can go to our YouTube channel, calvary316.live. Uh, all of the information about the church, what we believe, why we believe it, uh, you can find at calvary316.com. If you're new to the Outlaw Radio Show, uh, let me explain how the show works. First and foremost, the show is unscripted. I have absolutely no idea what we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, the topic is left to the producer, Mr. Creighton Vaughn, who I'll introduce in just a moment. Uh, he introduces the topic. It then becomes my job to turn that topic into a Bible study. Sometimes I do a good job of it. Sometimes I don't. But that's what's kind of fun about the show. Aside from being unscripted, uh, the show is also designed to be interactive. Uh, we uh, live stream uh, the recording of our podcast. So every episode of the Outlaw Radio Show is podcasted in its entirety, really on all major podcasting platforms, uh, Apple Podcasting, uh, Google, Spotify. You can find the Outlaw Radio Show. Uh, so it, it, this is a podcast, but we live stream the recording uh, on uh, our our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Radio Outlaw. Again, The Radio Outlaw as well as our YouTube channel, uh, which you can find very easy at outlawradio.live. Um, and on both of the threads, the video threads, uh, there's a comment section. And so during the show, if you're watching live, uh, you can submit comments, feedback, issue questions. And, uh, and again, the show is designed to be interactive with an audience um, as well. Thirdly, this is designed to be also a conversation amongst friends. Uh, I am joined in the studio uh, by some of my dear brothers, and they are free to ask questions, interject their own thoughts, feedback. So uh, aside from being unscripted, uh, it is also a conversation designed to be interactive. Uh, with all that being said, Creighton, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. So glad you're with me. The Hello. Man, the myth, the legend. It's always nice to be here. It's a wonderful Wednesday. A.K.A. Yeah. Dick Dastardly. That's me. So you have a, uh, a very unique way that you sleep at night that was kind of brought <laughs> up. Uh, it was brought up. Switch back over to you. Get, get All right. me off. Yeah, yeah. You want You're the full visual and everything? Yeah, the All whole right. visual. So, so the way that I sleep at night is on my stomach with my hands up around the pillow because I really want someone to cuddle, and I don't have anybody And you to don't cuddle. have anybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. So if you're out there and you're single, Creighton is looking to mingle. You also have to sleep cool because so I would like have, to cuddle. You have to be... A vampire or very cold-blooded. So you're really looking for like 60-year-olds and above. Very, very cold-blooded. Anyway, before I get in trouble, before I get in trouble. (laughs) Also joined by the three amigos, three different amigos tonight. We've got uh, two of our staples, Nick Monty and Spice Daddy. Fellas, welcome. Nice to be here. And then we're joined by another one of uh, Nick's brother-in-laws, Mr. Kyle Parkin. Kyle, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. This is your first time joining this dysfunction. This dysfunction, indeed. This dysfunction, indeed. <laughs> and so excited for you to be with us. And, uh, and I think you'll be with us more often, right? Oh, yeah. Kind yeah, of plan. planning on joining much more often, yeah. So uh, I got to kind of do a little shout out, a little plug here. Um, so, I, you know, I went, I went down, got sick, um, was out of the pulpit for the first five and a half months uh, of this year. And, uh, and Kyle, who is our youth pastor, one of the elders of our church, uh, stepped up and taught through the book of Ephesians. And I just kind of want to give a plug. It's fantastic. Um, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, taught through the whole book, wrapped it up this past Sunday. And so if you're interested for a great study through the book of Ephesians, um, please check out c316.tv, right, Creighton? Uh, it's on Calvary 316. So it's on Calvary 316. Yeah. So it's on the church site, not the media hub. Yes. And so you can find all of the video and audio. Uh, I've got the video. I don't think that I've ever spoken. Okay, the audio. but it's just we've got the video. And so mm-hmm. again, if you're looking for a great uh, verse by verse study, if you're interested in the Book of Ephesians, uh, please check that out. I think you'll be uh, blessed. I know for the studies that I was there for, uh, the last few. I guess I was there for the end of chapter four, chapter five, and chapter six. The good stuff. The good stuff. Um, I was blessed by it, and I, and I think anybody that's interested would be as well. You did a really good job with it, uh, for sure. Agreed. Uh, Thank you. No doubt. Uh, 
before we get into today's topic, before Creighton lets us know, uh, how are you guys doing? Just a little little feedback. Nick, you've been on like this long vacation with the boss out of town. Yeah, the boss has been gone for two weeks, so it's been nice. And then, and then he comes back and you go on vacation. And then I'm going on vacation Saturday for a week at the beach. So I'm in beach mode. So you're not going to be with us next week, but hopefully Deal Daddy Derek will be back. Yeah, He's, you'll still have some relation to me being here. <laughs> some relation to you being here. And uh, Justin, a.k.a. Spice Daddy. How you doing, brother? Same as I always am. Living the dream? Yeah, you know. Living the dream. All right. Well, with all that being said, we're going to... and. and in record time, uh, transition to the topic uh, for tonight. So, Creighton, uh, drop it on us. All right. So, I had a very weird interaction at work yesterday because I work for a relatively large retail company um, in a position that causes me to be on the phone with usually upset customers. That um, sounds exciting. Like, oh, it's awful. Um, it's actually not. I've done much worse, but um, sometimes it can be awful. And in the course of my job yesterday, I ended up on the phone with someone um, who... I got I to gotta stop you. Okay. I just had a, a wonderful idea. If there's anybody that's watching or listening that uh, has any connection with Mike Lindell and MyPillow, <laughs> um, please, please reach out to us. Um, Creighton is looking for one of the king size pillows. Oh my gosh! Um, Mike Lindell, my pillow. Please reach out. Uh, we will gladly take a sponsorship. So anyway, you got a phone a phone call, right, from someone who was irate, and through the course of the conversation, it was revealed to me that the person I was talking to uh, was trans. How does and that? How does that come up? When it's a random conversation with a customer, like that seems like a really weird thing to come up and like from an angry customer. Well, uh, they were angry because one of our employees misgendered them. So that made it very clear. Gotcha. Okay. So that, <laughs> that's the ticking time bomb. Right. So they, the conversation started, they introduced themselves as miss. I called them ma'am and it like, they didn't sound terribly off key. So I just, you know, we went on with the conversation. It wasn't like Caitlyn Jenner that has like right. a, a, a serious dude voice. Right. And it wasn't like I was talking to The Rock in a wig either. Okay. Like, it was, I, you know. I Although was just, you might have been. It wasn't a FaceTime call, was it? No. So, I mean, you're, you're really misgendering even then. Anyway. So I was having this conversation, you know, whatever. And within minutes of them actually saying that they'd been misgendered, they had started spouting all kinds of, um, they were using something called Stonewall, which is apparently a, a movement or an event that happened in Georgia in gay rights and talking about trans rights and all of this stuff. Um, and like in the moment I just went, I just kind of went with them on it because I wasn't trying to get into a fight on my employer's time about whether or not I agree with them about being misgendered or... Not the um, point of the conversation. Right. Your job is to really diffuse it, right? My job is to diffuse it, find out whether or not autos... Or, uh, not auto, you know, wherever I work. Advanced um, auto. Advanced auto. <laughs> um, whether or not... Or Napa. We have missed a thing that we should have done um, and then get them to the right person deal with it to so, rectify you know, it. i just went along with understood to diffuse it and my question is as a christian how far should we go in our own lives in dealing with people like in that scenario to quote unquote keep the peace before we are either doing more harm than good or just at that point talking what is essentially a lie um, like where, where's the line in terms of keeping the peace and aiding and abetting a sin for lack of a better term? Well, you know that, what I mean? Yeah, that's a, that's a, a heavy topic, a loaded topic. Um, but really I would say a relevant topic. I think um, it'll be more relevant like in the next, in the next coming months, years, five years ago, it was a fringe topic. Mm -hmm. And today it's way more mainstream than, um, than really ever before. Uh, before I get to some thoughts and kind of, uh, I'm going to try to seek to, again, turn this into a Bible study and, and look at the topic um, from a biblical perspective, just 
kind of generally throwing it out. Fellas, y'all have any just initial thoughts or maybe experiences that maybe y'all have had uh, with the transgender community, uh, maybe people that you know that have that have struggled with gender dysphoria. Uh, again, it doesn't have to be anything necessarily like thought-provoking, but just some general thoughts that you might want to contribute uh, before we kind of unpack it. Uh, we'll start with, uh, I'll just kind of throw it to you guys, whoever wants to jump in. Yeah, there. I gotcha. Um, I've definitely had had friends, people that I would consider myself close with who have been, you know, gay or, or whatnot, different, different, different genders or however you want to call it. Um, and I don't know for sure if, if I may have handled it a hundred percent right, but generally speaking, I would try to take the stance of friends, like loving a person, but not, but also not doing anything that, promoted those actions and those those ideals um now in my life if i was to come in contact with that and be close with it i think the very first thing you got to do is is look at how jesus reacted in the face of blatant sin even if it wasn't recognized by the individual as sin yeah that's the first yeah i i would agree with that you guys uh spice daddy you have any yeah pretty much the same thing he said i mean i think one thing though is that oftentimes when somebody's in sin they're going to argue more and you're going to be more more uh aggressive about that if you confront them so i mean it uh, jesus didn't shy away from confronting somebody but he's also god of the universe so he kind of has some authority on it yeah no doubt (laughs) so uh what about you nick yeah there's um i was thinking about it and there's like two sides to it for me if it's someone then passing like a conversation i'm having i'm probably not gonna i'm just probably gonna be what creighton was doing is just talk to them love right them understand, and stuff the like that. understand the context yeah. and move on because i'm never probably gonna see that person or talk to that person ever again but if it's someone that's close to me brother sister cousin something like that i'm probably gonna i don't, I don't know how i'd act but it's probably gonna be different than just someone passing than a random than a random person so then the checkout lady at Publix. Yeah. so i mean i'm gonna be cordial with them but and i'm still gonna be cordial with the person i know but there also is gonna be times that my faith is gonna speak for myself for itself and my words are gonna have different meanings and stuff like that so in order to unpack this particular topic to to get to the essence of of your question of of how should we as as christians um how should we handle, you know, individuals that we might come across um, within the trans community? Now, did I kind of sum up the yeah? The, the that's basically of the, okay. So uh, let me let me begin, and and I and I hate I hate doing this <clears throat> right from the beginning, but because this topic is so loaded, um, I do think it really is important um, to begin with a bit of a qualifier. Um, I. A hundred percent believe. And I think that there is ample evidence um, that validates uh, gender dysphoria as a very real uh, medical condition, Um, that it is a a medical, a mental psychosis, that it's a real thing, that that there are people. And we can debate at what age um, this, you know, a a person becomes aware. Um, I think I I really, I really do resist anything pre-adolescent, um, but I do think that once you get into adolescence, when you, you get into to puberty, that certain people end up having real issues um, where they're biologically a boy, and yet um, they feel as though uh, they've been misgendered, that they're really a girl trapped in a boy's body, or vice versa. Um, I think that's a real thing. I think that happens. I think that that's a genuine struggle that there are people um, that people experience. So I don't want um, to speak. um, I want to be compassionate to the fact that that is a real struggle and a real thing. Um, I I think that the way that we go about addressing that real thing is is warped as a society. I think the way that we go about dealing with it um, causes more harm uh, than good. I'll get to that in a moment, but I want to acknowledge uh, that people really do deal with a real thing and that to just 
uh, trivialize or to minimize or to make fun of something that, that a person's really going through. Like, you know, we don't make fun of people that are dealing with depression. Um, we don't, de- you know, we don't make fun of people that are, that are dealing with um, real mental, mental issues. You know, there are real things that happen in, within the brain. Um, and again, I'm not trying to come across very insensitive to it, but that, that's, that's the ultimate diagnosis, like gender dysphoria, that, that there are people that, that believe their body is not, um, is not in tune with, um, with who they feel themselves to be. Um, that's a real thing. Um, that happens, and we should be sensitive to that. Um, I want to back up and kind of try to unpack this generally from a biblical standpoint. Um, I, you know, th- we live in a society that wants to say um, that there are um, many, many genders. Um, and, and in fact, whatever you decide your gender is, is what your gender is. Um, I disagree with that fundamentally. I don't believe um, that we have the right to, um, to determine what our gender is, but that our biology does. Um, and then taking that a step further, the creator of our biology is the one that determines our gender um, and, and that we don't really have much of a say in that. Um, that has, by the way, been the accepted position by secular scientists for 5,000 years. Um, so that's not just a religious position. That has also been um, a scientific position by the secular minds of, of those throughout the ages. Um, where did this all begin? Well, in the book of Genesis, God created Adam. So God created man Amongst the rest of creation, man was the crescendo of creation, and man was given dominion over all. Um, One of the first things, though, that God noticed about the man is that it wasn't good for man to be alone. We read of that in the Genesis record. Um, Adam did not have a companion. There was none, the Bible says, that was compatible uh, with him, which is an interesting word, the the idea of compatibility. Um, That'll play a key role in the, the concept of oneness. Um, the unity of, of, of the sexes of genders. So Adam is alone. He has dominion over creation. Uh, he is given dominion over the garden. God recognizes he's alone. There's, he doesn't have a companion. And so what happens? First thing that happens is that God causes a deep sleep to come over Adam. Um, that followed the naming of the animals. So God recognized a need within Adam before Adam recognized the need. Because again, Adam was created perfect. He names the animals. He realizes what God had already realized. I'm kind of a loner here. Um, there really isn't anything that, that, that is compatible with me. So he goes to sleep. God puts him to sleep. And it was in that process that God takes, and again, the, the, the language that's used um, is very poetic. Um, God removed a rib, uh, removed a side from him. And it's from the side of the man that God removed, that he formed the woman. He created Eve. And then God brought Eve, then, you know, once Adam awoke, brought Eve to Adam, and he says, whoa, man, from my bones, you were taken. You know, it, it, from, my, from my bones, from, you know, you are uh, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones. Adam recognized two interesting components. One, he realized that he was now incomplete that a part of him had been removed. He was no longer whole, and that the part of him that had been removed, he now found in the woman. Um, And thus we have the introduction um, of not just genders, man and woman, male and female, but we also have the the fundamental explanation for the distinction um, of each gender, um, that it's... Uh, that, that there is something fundamentally masculine um, that exists within uh, maleness, and then there is something that exists within femaleness. Now, there's certain overlaps and whatnot, and I don't think it's, it's appropriate to get overly dogmatic, but there is a big difference between men and women. And anybody that's a parent, I'm a parent of three kids, two boys and, and a little girl. I can tell you unequivocally that there is a massive difference between boys and girls, uh, not just from a like anatomy standpoint, but psychologically, sociologically, just the way that they they operate. It was funny. I was talking to Kyle 
Um, he's Kyle. Your Killian is what four? Four. Yep. So, so you have a four-year-old, and Mabel is three, but she'll be four in November. So they're about nine, give yeah, or take nine I think months right apart. At nine months. Yeah. And so today they they went to the park, and because you know I'm handicapped, um, and I have nothing to do. Wherever my wife goes, I have to go. I follow. And so I went to the park, but I was just sitting there watching, you know, Killian and, and Mabel play. And, and obviously there's a lot of similarities that they have, um, but there are some fundamental uh, start differences in the way that they play, the way that they talk, the way that they interact, the way that they react, the way that they deal with conflict resolution. Um, it's funny, but I mean, there is, and none of that is taught to them. I reject the notion that, that you know, that gender is just a social construct. Again, any parent that spends time around kids um, understands that, that there are things that are innate, things that are, are they're born with. There are differences. That's my point. Differences between men and women. And the differences come from the fact that God took a human being, a complete, whole, perfect human being, and separated him into two, into male and female. And then it was in the process that God told the man and the woman to come together as husband and wife. Again, this is where marriage, um, you know, heterosexual monogamy um, is a biblical concept uh, because it is the reunifying of what God had separated. So God separated the genders, man and woman, and then he he separated them with the intention of bringing them back together in this beautiful thing called marriage, um, a sexual union, there being oneness. The man, the woman should leave their father and mother, be joined together as one flesh. Um, there are, and, and, and every man and woman, every married couple um, will attest that, uh, that there are, that they are a more complete person with their spouse. Um, that, and I'll speak personally, uh, there are certain th components of my personality uh, that blend very well with, with some of Jessica's weaknesses. And then there are certain strengths that Jessica has within her personality that very much complete my weaknesses. And that together we're better than we are apart, that we're one. So the reunifying of the genders is a central component to marriage, which is why... Um, which is why, from a biblical standpoint, I reject even even the, the the idea that there can be such a thing as a homosexual union. Um, and in fact, uh, the Bible teaches that there is oneness within diversity. There are two distinct parties, man and woman, that become one. There is oneness in a diversity, as opposed to homosexuality, um, which is oneness in sameness. Um, we see we see that happen within our secular society. When people talk about Joe Biden's going to be the great unifier, it's one of the platforms that he ran on. A lot of people voted for Joe Biden because they believed that Joe Biden was going to be a unifier, as opposed to the president that we had previously that enjoyed the fight. He enjoyed stirring it up. He enjoyed uh, the battle. Uh, well, when Democrats talk about un unity, what do they really mean? They don't mean let's let's have unity within the diversity of opinions. It's shut up and believe what we believe and do what we want you to do, and then we'll all get along. If we all believe the same thing, then we can be unified. The problem is, is that that's a pipe dream. That, that doesn't happen. When we get into the concept of gender, gender is a very important thing instituted by God, and there are deep, uh, significant uh, symbolisms within it all. Um, you get into the triune nature of God, um, the, the, the unity within the distinction of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, there is beauty within the oneness of diversity. Now, this is why I think it's interesting that following a secular assault on the institution of marriage, removing um, the definition of marriage from the religious sphere and codifying it within the state, the state defining marriage, um, what immediately followed? What immediately followed was an attack on a biblical understanding. Um, and I will go beyond a biblical understanding, a humanist understanding of, of gender. And that instead of gender being something 
uh, that is assigned at birth. It's something that can be determined by the individual. Um, I think that that um, is a huge mistake, but it makes sense within our secular society why that would follow. Fascinating, I saw a documentary uh, that pointed to some of the biggest lobbies, um, uh, gay lobbies, that, that advocated, pushed hard for years uh, for gay marriage. When gay marriage uh, was, when that passed by the Supreme Court, many of those uh, advocacy groups operating in Washington, the lobbying groups, you know the immediate thing that they, they pivoted to? Because they won the battle. They, like The thing that they, that they existed and raised money on um, was no longer something to raise money on because they won. You know, gay marriage was the law of the land. They immediately pivoted to trans rights. And that became the fundraising goal. That became, that's why we've seen over the last five years, um, this, this issue kind of come out of literally nowhere. Um, it's been a very concerted thing. It's, it's where they're raising money on. Um, such a small percentage of the population is dominating the conversation uh, to the point that you'll get banned from Twitter if you, if you hold to a biblical position on gender. Getting to your question. So with our understanding of, of gender, something instituted by God, what then is the cause of gender dysphoria? Because we have to have an explanation if, if we're going to provide anything helpful or if we're going to understand how to, how to handle uh, the topic itself. Uh, before I get to that, <clears throat> let me just pause for a second and, and throw it to you guys. Any, any questions about what I've talked about thus far or any feedback, anything that you guys want to interject um, before, I, before I kind of make this hard pivot? Um, well, I'm saying making sense. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I have no arguments against it. <laughs> do we well, have, do we have to separate the secular world from the the Christian world, though? I mean, yeah. In what I'm, way? I'll, Elaborate. So, it, I think I said this last week. Is like how how am I as a Christian? How do I ex, how am I supposed to expect the secular world to follow God's rules and God's laws? And the way he thinks he sets up to be, we're we're sinful in nature, and therefore, without God, we're going to go diving headfirst, at running as fast as we can right into sin, as right. far, uh, far away from God as possible. So it's to be expected that that we would go from this stage to way over here real quickly, as soon as you start taking God out of the equation. What I would say to that, and I, I agree with with what you're <clears throat> with what you're getting to. Um, first, I brought up the secular uh, position just, to, just to, to illustrate the reality that what we have seen happen in the scientific world and in academia um, over the last literally few years um, is something that, that we can argue against even from a secular perspective. Like, th this has not been... It's... So, so you have to take a step back. Like for years and years and years, uh, the scientific consensus was that the earth was flat. And Galileo comes along and is like, ah, I beg to differ. And he was uh, called a heretic and was rejected. And then as the years progressed, what was scientifically seen as an anathema ended up becoming reality. It was like, oh, well, wait a second. This Galileo dude was onto something, and what we have always thought about the Earth has been wrong. That was, a, you know, a secular scientific conclusion, and, and that happens within science. When we're dealing with the topic of gender, I, I think it's important for us to to acknowledge also just a scientific angle. Uh, for centuries and centuries and centuries, uh, there have only been two genders. Uh, you know why? because there's only two observable genders. Um, there has been man and there has been woman, and that has been the scientific consensus. Well, we have people now saying, well, um, that's not true. So we have to take a step back and say, well, have we missed something scientifically for the last several millennia, like the earth was flat, and we've evolved in our thinking and our understanding of the natural universe to the point that, okay, what we see with this gender dysphoria is actually evidence that there are other genders, so we should destigmatize this 
because, well, we've just learned something new about the human biology. Uh, the, the, the problem with that is that I don't think that there's any science to support it. I think we're. I think the the explanation for why gender has become this hot button topic is actually more of a rejection of God and God's dominion over man um, than it is scientific reasoning, which makes it kind of distinctly different from the flat Earth, round Earth type conversation. I, I guess that's where I'm getting at. Kind of like so. So when I when I think about this kind of situation, I'm, I, I think of of Lot and his wife and. Sitting at the so- gates of Sodom. Sodom, yeah, and that, that kind of stuff. It, it, it was that that town, that city had gone so far and ran so far away from God that they were doing something so immoral that... That God that, judged it. Yeah. And so isn't that what we're as Christians to expect the world to do, that kind of thing? I, I don't think we should be surprised when we see it happening, mm-hmm. um, which leads to, you know, Creighton's point of as Christians with the understanding that we do live in an immoral, fallen uh, planet slash culture society on the way to destruction. Um, how do we how do we navigate sitting at the gate of Sodom? Um, how do we handle this? How do we uh, interact with culture um, and and this particular topic? Um, the trans community, um, which is a growing lobby, a more vocal lobby, um, is something that um, I was talking to a buddy of mine. So, I mean, you guys are a little younger than I am, but when I was in school, uh, none of this was ever was ever a topic. Like, there was not, there might have been like the one gay kid in, in public school um, that was kind of on the way far fringe, but, um, and there were probably more gay students that, that, that would have, that you would have known about, um, but it was a very, very hush, hush, private, private type of thing. Uh, trans, not a thing at all. Pronouns, yeah, he and she. Like, what, what are we talking about? Um, but today, a good friend of mine whose kids are in high school, and we live in, in a conservative part of the world, it is a major thing. Like, it is all over the place um, in, in the local high schools. You know, people that are, are, you know, teachers that are getting in trouble um, if they're not, you know, if they, you know, misgender someone or if they're not uh, willing to uh, refer to someone by uh, by the name that they choose. Um, It's 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 a growing a growing issue. Um, And as Christians, we 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 need to be educated on why this has become an issue, what the root of the issue is, if we're going to then address the issue or, or or or. interact with individuals um, in the way that Jesus would want us to. Um, and so getting, getting to that point, for me, so trans, transgenderism, gender dysphoria, you know, so let's talk about sin because that, that word's been thrown around a bit. Uh, at the very beginning of our conversation, the word sin. Um, so there, there are two components to that in regards to this particular topic. Um, and, and in previous episodes where we've talked about homosexuality. So there is, so, so when we talk about the biblical concept of sin, <clears throat> are you a sinner because you sin, or do you sin because you're a sinner? And, and the answer from a biblical standpoint is that you sin because you're a sinner, that, that you're born into sin, that you're born with a fallen, broken nature. You don't become bad, you're born bad. You're born broken. And that brokenness manifests um, in all kinds of ways and can manifest within uh, different people differently. Um, For example, you know, like it wasn't hard for me to lie um, or to be angry. Like there are even certain genetic predispositions, whether it be to abuse a substance or whatnot. Like everybody, you know, is born with a sin nature. Um, that's why when, when people talk about, well, I was born gay. And, and they say they were, they were born with an attraction to the same sex. And they bring that up to justify, um, well, if God made me this way, then why can't I engage in the behavior that would be consistent with that? That ends up being the justification for it. I'm born gay, so how can you tell me that it's wrong 
for me to behave a certain way that I was born to which I would respond. Well, if I was born a gay hater, does that make it right for me to hate gay people? Absolutely not. In fact, the Bible is pretty clear that we're all born broken. We're born with broken proclivities. And sometimes that is within our sexuality. But the gospel, the gospel isn't a reclamation project. It's a regeneration. It's about new birth. It's about being born again. It's about being born into something totally different. Not the way that I am, but in the way that God wants me to be. Um, I think that that's an important idea and concept, especially when we're dealing with gender dysphoria. Because, I mean, good grief, people that deal with this, I mean, there's a reason that there is a very high rate of suicide within this particular community. There, there is a real issue that's going on, um, a real mental psychosis that's occurring. Um, for me to say, well, um, the fact that you're transgender means that you're, you're somehow worse off than somebody else. No, it just, it just indicates to me that, that this is kind of the particular brokenness um, that you're struggling with. And, and the gospel has a lot to say about that. Like, you know, the, the, the gospel isn't about um, this, that, and the other. It's about, it's about taking what's broken and making it whole. And so, okay, you have this terrible thing going on where you feel like you're one gender trapped in another gender's body. That has to be terrible. Um, so what's the remedy to that? Well, our world is saying that the remedy to that is to mutilate the body to reflect the identity that we're promoting physical augmentation as a remedy to a mental psychosis. Um, that's insanity. And we should call that insanity. Um, that would be like telling an 11 year old, a middle school girl that's dealing with depression that the remedy is to cut herself. That somehow there's a, a physical remedy to something that's happening mentally within the individual. Um, no, 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 no. In fact, John Hopkins University did a study on this um, where, where, you know, they, they, they basically, their conclusion is like the idea of, of hormone blockers or physical augmentation, um, A, it doesn't, it, it actually increases the rate of suicide because the person still doesn't feel like they're in the right body. Um, to her credit, Caitlyn Jenner has even talked about this, um, a.k.a. Bruce Jenner. Um, and, and some of the regret that comes along because there are certain things that are irreversible. Um, but presenting um, physical augmentation as a remedy to a, a mental psychosis um, w wouldn't, wouldn't be accepted in any other mental discipline. And yet somehow that becomes the remedy to gender dysphoria. Uh, for us as Christians, let's, let's understand what's actually happening. Uh, this, is, this is a byproduct of brokenness. This is a byproduct of living in, in a sinful place. And this person is, is dealing with something very real, and they're suffering. And, and that should immediately fill our hearts with a lot of love, a lot of tenderness, a lot of compassion. Um, that doesn't necessarily make the conversations easier. It just helps us identify the root. And the root is, is, is brokenness. It's fallenness. Um, that being said... Uh, Creighton, you and I actually had this conversation a couple weeks ago about um, the trap of language, because I do think that this is kind of a mistake that the Christian community has made um, when it comes to the trans community. Um, you, you can say, you, you, can, you can define your pronoun. So if I wanted to define my program, pronoun as a she. Um, I have every right to do that in a free society. I can call myself whatever I want to call myself, and I'm free to do that. In fact, that's kind of what relativism her herald. You know, what's true for me is true for me. What's true for you is true for you. You stay out of my business, I'll stay out of your business. That, that was supposed to be the great the great liberation of relativism. The problem was is that relativism is a pipe dream because that's not the reality of it, right? So what's true for me has to now be true for you, whether you agree with it or not. And that becomes a very slippery slope because that's a secular absolutism. Like we live, we live in a, a society that claims to be based on this idea of relativism, 
that what's true for me is true for me. What's true for you is true for you. And, and we can coexist, but that's not what we see. What's true for me has to be true for you, especially if you disagree with me. And so we've seeded, we've seeded the, 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 we've seeded a central component to, to the fundamental argument of truth. Hey, if you want to call yourself a woman, that's fine. Go for it. But you're, you are causing me to violate my own moral conscience before God for me to deny my genuinely held belief that you're a dude. But you can believe you're a woman all you want. That's fine. But for me, I don't believe that you are because I believe that God created two genders, male and female, and assigned biology to it. And I'm sorry that you're dealing with it you're dealing with. But, but you're causing me, you're forcing me into a, a moral quandary. You call yourself whatever you want. And as, a, as, a, as an American, um, we have people that have died on, on beaches across the world to defend your right to call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. Uh, to me, you know, I have no problems with, with two guys that, that want to live together and do their thing. I just had a problem with, with, with them wanting to, to hijack religious language to define that relationship by calling it a marriage. Call it a civil union. But up until the Supreme Court ruling, religion was defined, uh, marriage was defined by, by religion and not by the secular state. That was my big problem with it. So, okay. You know, two dudes that get married, okay, you're married in the eyes of the state, but I don't see that you're married in the eyes of God because he rejects that union. And, and, and it's a front to my moral sensibilities for you to tell me otherwise because I hold to a biblical position on it. Same with gender. So when we're, when we're dealing with, with individuals, um, now, I, I think that would be different with the name of their choosing. Like, I don't have a problem calling Caitlyn Jenner Caitlyn Jenner um, because that's what Bruce decided to change his name to. So that's fine. You want me to call you that name? That's fine. But the pronoun is something deeper. Now we're, now we're talking about biological understanding of what genders are to begin with. And that's where I kind of run into, run into a particular challenge. Um, I think everything that happens within the conversation should ooze love. You know, Paul said, without love, you're a clanging symbol. Um, that being said, true love speaks the truth truly. You have to you have to hold to truth, or you're not being loving anyway. Now, within the context of of an employer, you're working for a com a company, you know, you know you've got to navigate those things um, differently. But I think when it's all said and done, um, the Supreme Court has has started to side. Um, like you can't defy someone's biblical positions and, and biblically held beliefs. Um, it was a, a case that a lawsuit just happened in one of the colleges up North, but the guy won um, because it was a professor that refused to use a pronoun would use the, 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 the name had a great relationship, didn't care, but was just refused to, to, to be forced into using pronouns that didn't coincide with their understanding of, of their, of the Bible and their understanding of, of science and reality. You can't cause somebody to, you know, that's an, it's an interesting, we'll, we'll see where it all, where it all ends up. Thoughts. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> I know there was a whole lot that I kind of threw out there. And again, uh, one of the, the challenges to getting a topic thrown at you is it's, it's really hard to distinguish, not just as a Christian, but as an American, having those rights to do something like how do how do I distinguish my my right to use to my moral beliefs and my right to offend somebody? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So like, what? How? It, it's hard to distinguish that line as an American Christian. What can I do and what, what can should I do? I do? Right. When uh, can yes. I say this? When shouldn't I say this? Right. For me personally, the, 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 the line of distinction is 
you know, whatever name you want to go by, I could care less. Um, hey, you, if that's what you want me to call you, that's your name. That's your name. You know, th- that doesn't matter to me. Names don't carry a God established, um, uh, like foundational thing. A meaning. Yeah, yeah. There's not, there's not a, a gender meaning to, or any sort of foundational meaning to a name, but a gender thing is something that is. But me demanding you call me a she. Yeah. Is me forcing you to deny something you don't believe. I think one thing about that, the way that you go about handling, like what Justin was saying, and you kind of touched on it. He pretty much said it. You have a responsibility to react to and live in truth, like what you understand is truth. Um, without love, truth is basically just aggression or oppression. Yeah. You get, I mean, everything. And that's what Jesus was great at. You know, when you look at Jesus and the way that Jesus handled people, you know, Jesus never skirted the reality of sin or brokenness. Um, but he was also the friend of tax collectors and sinners. Um, the, the most difficult, the hardest things Jesus had to say to people was the religious right that didn't think that they were sinners. You know, that, that's what Jesus had the strongest words for, is the people that didn't recognize their own personal brokenness. Um, to me, that it just it comes back to, um, hey... It's, 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 it's an identity thing. Um, and that's, that's where the, the, the gay issue, it's just interesting to me that you, the gays, trans, it, it all becomes identity. It's all based in identity. I am this. And it's like, okay, so what? Like the gospel is, I am this, Jesus makes me that. So it's funny how the, the same excuse for, something what we consider to be so extreme is this same excuse that the average person oh i need to stop cursing before i become a christian i need to stop drinking before i become a christian it's it's the same excuse for (laughs) i need to stop being gay before i I become a christian kind of thing it and and like you said it's it's not stop making the excuse is it it's jesus will change you into what he wants you to be so when I taught through Galatians, which was Outlaw Church, was the series, which became the basis for Outlaw Radio. and It was the progenitor of quite a bit. Yeah, life outside of the law. I, I used, actually, Caitlyn Jenner as an illustration of legalism. Because what Caitlyn Jenner has tried to do to become a boy is it's a great illustration of what l- legalists do to try to become moral, to try to become righteous, to try to become holy. They're, they're trying um, physical changes and transformations. They're, they're trying outside manipulation, outside influence to change an internal condition. And the reality is, is that that's like you end up with Christians that are just as deformed as those that are trying to, to make their body match what they feel inside. It's like... I mean, there's some really good plastic surgeons in this world. Um, But there's no amount of plastic surgery um, that makes one gender into the other. It it doesn't... Even even the best attempts fail to change the inside. The the parts, the the chromosomes, the DNA. Um, We're born a sinner... Which means that there's no there's no amount of outside augmentation that can ever change that. I have to be changed fundamentally from the inside, and then what happens is that then that reflects the outside. That's why you don't have to teach a little girl to be a little girl. They tend to be they tend to act like a little girl. Why? Because they are a little girl, um, and little boys act like little boys because they are internally little boys, and that comes flying out of them you know, the majority of the time. Um, when I am made anew, when I'm born again, when I'm changed, when I'm transformed by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, um, my righteousness then becomes a very natural byproduct 
of, an, of a new internal constitution. I've been changed, and that change begins to work its way out. I can never change the inside the opposite, the opposite way, um, which to me is, is, again, just an interesting thing. When it's all said and done, and you know, I, I could say right from the beginning that this whole transgender thing is, is an affront against God and God's dominion over man, and it's the, the, the height of hubris for man to now say, I determine what gender I am, and God doesn't. I could say that from the beginning of our conversation, um, because I do think that that is the, the undercurrent, uh, the evil thread behind it all. Do I think a lot of transgenders are thinking that way? No. I think that they're dealing with a real, a real internal issue um, that I think that there's a better remedy for, and that's Jesus and change and transformation, etc. So, Craig, what are your thoughts, bud? Um, I find it interesting that you draw the line at the pronouns because I feel the same way about, like, I feel the same way about pronouns that I do about their given name. Like, I, I honestly couldn't care less. Um, the way that I see it, I, I take the same track as um, Ben Shapiro, I think. And he says that in person, on a one-on-one basis, He'll use whatever pronouns, whatever name you want, because he doesn't like he doesn't want to be a jerk. Um, but when it comes to speaking publicly or in any kind of official capacity about the deal, he sticks to um, I think he sticks to whatever given whatever chosen name, but biologically correct pronouns. See, I would say um, I would say that the you forcing me to use pronouns knowing that that violates my core belief system who's who's being the jerk yeah. mm. like like again it, it it's very easy to say i'll just use whatever pronouns to keep the peace cuz i don't want to be called a jerk but the problem is is that when you when you when you abandon the biblical definition of gender which I think Kyle kind of summarized it well of like the difference between a name and, and a pronoun is that, that one, one has been given by parents or determined by the person. And the other is, is like a biological reality established by God. Like there's one that has a deeper foundation to, um, that's where like, I, I think we've just made a mistake by getting boxed into this, this guilt that somehow I'm, I'm a jerk because I believe in the definition of pronouns. How does that make me a jerk? Um, you see what I'm saying? Like that, that would be my difference, my, my differing of opinion with Ben Shapiro, who again is not a Christian and doesn't mm -hmm. exactly share my, my worldview. He's a Jew. Um, so we, we have some similarities in belief, but, um, but I disagree about the core problem of man, um, from Ben Shapiro as well. Um, that makes sense. What, what I'm, what I'm saying. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, it gives me a lot to think about and, you know, fingers crossed. I don't have to deal with it in a while, <laughs> but, uh, it gives me a lot to think about because I, I, I personally tend towards a heathen in a heathen land go and do, cause I don't care, but I don't think that that's necessarily right in a lot of situations. Um, which is why I like having people with you who have strong opinions about things. You know, I, I will I will address that just that one component of it, not to pick on you, but it's so easy to be like, oh, I don't care, I don't care. That's why I do it. It's easy. But I mean, I don't think you could have ever said that about Jesus. You know, where Jesus did something, and and his justification was, well, I just I didn't care. Um, I think Jesus deeply cared about every person that he came in, in touch with, and that's why I I I think it's so important to get down to. The issues, you know, like that person that you talk to on the phone um, is a person that is very lost and is really struggling with who they are. It, does God exist? Am I created? Am I the byproduct of random chance? Why do I feel the way that I feel? Is there a remedy to this? Will I ever feel normal? Like that person is going through a myriad of very deep challenges. And, and there's a world out there that's yelling in their ear, 
Um, it's okay to be the way that you are. You got to embrace this. Um, in fact, uh, you know, here's these steps that you can take um, to make your body reflect this. Like that's the remedy when there's no science to validate that or to back that up. In fact, that there's a lot of science to say that that's not the remedy. My point is like, if we, if we do care, then, then we do have to stand on truth, not to be a jerk or to be right to win the argument, but because that person we should care about. I think one thing you kind of touched on uh, is it's so easy to demagogue or demonize like a group of people when it's all about the individual. And that's the way it was with Jesus. You know, he, he, it was all about the individual at that moment in time and, and they needed him. Exactly. They, they needed to encounter Jesus. Right. And I think as a Christian in America and, and really all over the place, we're so quick to, to decry, you know, sinner, you're going to hell, blah, blah, blah. And, and, we're talking about individual broken people that need individual healing. And we should care. Yeah. Not to pick on you, Creighton. Hey, I get it. But we should. I think you're right. But we should care. And I think, and here's the thing. I really do believe that if we care, if we care, that'll come across. Even when we disagree. I'll give you a great example of it. Um, Dave Chappelle has probably gotten more flack from the trans community than maybe any other person in the secular world. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, Dave Chappelle, if you don't know, is a comedian and he's had several bits about the trans community and, and what was fascinating about his last Netflix special is that, is that he told a story to close, to close out his special about a dear friend of his, another comedian that was trans and, and he cracked jokes about it, but like you could tell he cared. And that's what came across is like, you guys are bagging on me cause I tell jokes, but like I care. And for those that, for the people that know me, they know that I can joke and have some fun with it, but you know, I care. And to me, I think, I think people, if they know you care, they can disagree with, with your positions. And it doesn't have to be a big thing as long as they know you care. So any, any final, final thoughts, Nick, you've been kind of quiet over there. Well, you hit the nail on the head for me when you were talking about, they can think that they're hit, she, him, whatever they want until they force that on you and make you do something that throws a wrinkle in your faith or makes you stumble or, Anything like that. Or defy your moral compass or anything like that. It's just like, okay, well, there's the line. Like we were talking about the line. That's the line for me. Well, I would be very, here's the thing. I'd be very offended if, if somebody referred to me as a she. I'd be offended by that. I'd be like, but I'm not a she. Yep. Well, I believe you're a she. Yeah, but I don't believe I'm a she. So you, so like. You just don't call me anything. Like the flip side to it is like forcing me to refer to you in a way that you know is defying. My, you see what I'm saying? Uh, like yep. it, it's <laughs> it's again it's who's the jerk? Um, yep. Who's militant? And again, we I mean I think you're very naive if you don't think that there is uh, maybe more so than ever before a concerted effort to to force uh, onto Christians. A, a, a contrary secular understanding of the world. Um, it's Christian ethics that seem to be uh, the most under attack or under assault. It's why Jesus' name is taken in vain and not Muhammad's. Um, you know, nobody stubs their toe and says, you know, Buddha or Harry Krishna. It's Jesus Christ. Um, you know, there, there is an attack on our beliefs. And, and we should understand that that, that, that battle exists. And love people, care for people, speak truth and love. And, not be a clanging yeah. symbol. So, and this same argument can be made in other parts of the world, other religions. Someone's trying to argue their other religion, or yeah. you know, different. There's so many different ways that this we're not the only religion that believes in gender. <laughs> yep. You know, again, I, the irony of it. Well, anyway, fellas, thank you for being with me tonight. 
Uh, Kyle, again, welcome. Look forward <laughs> to having you in the weeks ahead, for sure. Creighton, thank you for the topic, my friend. Yeah, man. Well, Bye, y'all. You've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. Again, if you're watching uh, live, uh, be sure to check out our podcast. Again, every episode is recorded. It's podcasted. If you're listening to the podcast and you've yet to watch our show live, uh, every Wednesday night at 8 p.m., uh, we live stream the recording of the show uh, on both uh, YouTube, uh, outlawradio.live, as well as our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Outlaw. Once again, my name is Zach Adams, and I hope you join me again this time next week. God bless.